So the reality is nobody gets to anywhere without a lot of no's. And once you understand that, you don't take it personally, then you have a shot at having success. Hello and welcome to The Daily Helping with Dr. Richard Schuster. Food for the brain, knowledge from the experts, tools to win at life. I'm your host, Dr. Richard. Whoever you are, wherever you're from, and whatever you do, this is the show that is going to help you become the best version of yourself. Each episode, you will hear from some of the most amazing, talented, and successful people on the planet who followed their passions and strive to help others. Join our movement to get a million people each day to commit acts of kindness for others. Together, we're going to make the world a better place. Are you ready? Because it's time for your daily helping. Thanks for tuning into this episode of the Daily Helping Podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Richard, and we have an incredible guest to share with you today. His name is Jack Canfield, known as America's number one success coach, who is the co-author of more than 200 books, including The Success Principles, How to Get from Where You Are to Where You Want to Be, The Success Principles Workbook, and The Chicken Soup from the Soul series, which includes 40 New York Times bestsellers and has sold more than 500 copies in 47 languages around the world. Jack is a featured teacher in the movie The Secret and has appeared on more than a thousand radio and TV shows, including The Oprah Winfrey Show, Oprah's Super Soul Sunday, The Today Show, Fox and Friends, and Larry King Live. He has conducted trainings for more than a million people in more than 50 countries around the world, and he holds two Guinness World Record titles, as well as being a member of the National Speakers Association's Hall of Fame. Jack, welcome to the show. It is an honor to have you on the Daily Helping Podcast. Thank you very much. I just want to correct one thing in the introduction. You said it has sold 500 copies around the world. It's 500 million Did copies. Did I say 500 copies? Oh yeah. my goodness. Well, we'll <laughs> that is uh, just a little bit of a difference. And, yeah, and we'll, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, we will. Fine. I appreciate it. <laughs> I, it's, it. I think 500 million copies is so outrageous for most people. It doesn't even register. But yeah, half a billion copies of the Chicken Super the Soul books. I, I, I mean, I'm curious about that. And I think let's start there. When, when you were sure. starting out, did you ever anticipate that you would have the reach and impact that you have had over the last number of decades? No, I always wanted to make a huge difference. And I thought I would uh, do that and, and I intended it. And I learned all the things I thought I needed to know to do it. But, you know, we thought we might have a couple best selling books, maybe five or six, something like that. Now there's over 200 books in the Chicken Soup for the Soul series. Plus, I've done about 20 other books that are not Chicken Soup for the Soul. But no, I did not think we'd be in 47 languages, having sold 300 million books in China, another 100 million books in Italy, not India, India, and another you know a couple hundred books around the world. So no, that, that far outstripped anything that I intended. We thought, hey, we'll do a best-selling book, New York Times, number one, yay. And um, no, it's been way, way beyond that. At, at what point when the sales started racking up, did you really believe that this was going to be a phenomenon. And then from there, how did you challenge yourself to, to go bigger and have a larger impact? Well, I think when we started, one of the things that happened at the end of the first book, you, you, the way a, public, a book is published is they print these big pages and they fold them up and then cut them. And often there's a couple blank pages at the end of the book. And our publisher said, hey, there's three blank pages at the end of the book. If you want to say something there, go ahead. So I just said, hey, if you have a story, send it in. Maybe we'll do a sequel. We started to get our mail delivered in mailbags. 
And it was like just unbelievable amount of mail of stories that people were contributing and saying how much the book had helped them. And here's another story. And when I would say by the time we got to the third version of our book, you know, Chicken Soup for the Soul, Second Helping, Third Serving, Fourth Course, Fifth Bowl kind of thing, I said, wow, this is much bigger than I thought. And then when the translation started coming in from all over the world, I mean, we're in three different languages just in India, English, uh, Hindu, and Tamil. And so... Who knew? But yeah, it's, it's, it's astounding. When I thought I could really make a huge difference is when I started getting invited to speak in Russia, speak in Iran, speak in Pakistan, speak in India, speak in South Africa, speak in Brazil. Then I kind of knew this was a universal worldwide phenomenon that was never going to stop. Is there, of all those stories and letters that, that people were sending you, is, is there any that really stand out, maybe one or two that it was just unbelievable, mind-blowing, and, and you really were touched by? Uh, well, first of all, a, a story that we, I was touched by, that we actually put in one of the subsequent books, was about a little boy who was walking through a mall, and uh, he saw this sign that said, puppies for sale, but it wasn't a pet store. It was just a normal retail store, but the guy had some puppies. So he goes in and he says, I'd uh, like to know about your puppies. He said, uh, how much are they? And he said, well, most of them are anywhere from 50 to you know more dollars. And um, would you like to see him? And the boy said, sure. So he whistles. Now comes this dog named Lady with five tiny balls of fur following her. And one of the balls of fur was limping. And little boy says, oh, I want that dog. How much for that dog? And the guy said, well, that dog's never going to be able to run and jump like the other dogs. He's got a misplaced hip socket or something. And, and so I would give you that one for free. And the boy says, no, I want to pay full price. You know, I could give you a dollar thirty-eight down. He counted out the money on the counter. He said, I'll come by and give you a dollar a week. And he said, well, son, I said, the, that dog's never going to be able to run and jump like the other dogs. And so why would you want that dog? And the boy reached down and he pulled up his left pant leg to reveal a badly twisted left leg with a big metal brace around it. He said, well, you see, mister, I don't run and jump so well myself. And I think that puppy's going to need someone who understands. Wow. And, and, you know, you just went, oh, like everyone goes, ah, oh. like, oh, my God, it touches you. I mean, I used to tell it on radio and, and people would cry like the, the you know, the, the host. And it touches us because it, it talks about love. It talks about compassion, talks about universal acceptance and so forth. So those kind of stories, whether they give you goosebumps, make you cry, that's what really made the series work. As far as a letter I got, I think the most powerful letter I ever received was for the book, The Success Principles, where this 15-year-old boy sent me this long email. And he said, uh, my mother never reads books. And she came home the other day with your book. And, and The Success Principles book's a pretty thick book. And he said, I, I didn't know why my mother would buy that book. So I, I started to read it and I couldn't put it down. I just kept turning the pages, turning the pages. He said, it took me three nights to read it but I read the whole book. He said, I used to get F's and D's. I was flunking out of school. I was smoking dope and sneaking out of class to smoke weed in the parking lot. I was skipping classes. I was ditching school and um, getting into a lot of trouble, drinking on the weekends. He said, now I'm getting A's and B's. I'm going to school full time, no drinking, no marijuana. Thank you for changing my life. I thought, wow, if that book could do that for a 15-year-old, you know, what could it do for someone who really intended to want to have success in their life? So those are the kind of things that, that make me want to keep getting up and writing and doing these kind of podcasts and going out and speaking and running workshops. I love that. Both, both stories, phenomenal. I'm curious in particular about the success principles. They, 
You've, you've recently released the Success Principles Workbook as a companion guide to this. What, what made you decide to come back to that and create this extra piece after that amount of time? Well, what I had noticed is that there were definitely people who read the book and, and did what I intended them to do, which was double their income and double their time off. I was in, uh, where was I? In the Philippines, in Manila. And this guy comes up to me the night before my talk. I was doing a one-day workshop. His name was John Caleb. And um, he said, he asked if he could interview me. I was doing a book signing in a mall. And I said, sure, when the, when the book signing's over, I'll let you interview me. So we did about a 30-minute well, interview. It was really a great interview. He was a really good interviewer. And I said at the end, John, that's one of the most interesting interviews. Yes, great questions, real good follow-up questions. I said, how long have you been doing this? He said, you're my first interview. And I said, get out of here. It's not possible. He said, yeah. I said, well, what were you doing before? He said, well, I was running a restaurant with a friend. We had this restaurant. It went belly up. We went bankrupt. And I'd been couch surfing on my friend's couches. And um, so I started doing this newspaper column on successful people. And you're the first one. I said, how much money do you have, John? He said, well, my whole net worth is a couple bucks. And he pulled his money out. I gave him $20. And I said, buy dinner on me tonight. And I gave him, I bought a book from the, I had to buy a book from the bookstore to give to him. And I said, here, take this book, read it. I think it'll help you. And if you want to be my guest tomorrow, come to my seminar. And if you like it, write a nice review of it along with your article. If not, no, no big deal. So I come back about two and a half years later. In walks John in this suit. He's got this big gold medallion on the jacket of the, of the, the suit jacket. He's got about 12 people walking behind him, all with polo shirts with the same medallion, like an entourage of people. I said, are you the guy that interviewed me a couple of years ago? He said, yeah. I said, you look different. He said, I am. I said, what's different? He said, well, I'm now a multimillionaire. I'm the number one motivational speaker in the Philippines. I have audiences of six to 800 people. I have my own radio show. I'm developing a TV show. I drive exotic cars. I have a condo at the beach. I have a, a condo in town. He went on and on about all his success. I said, John, what do you attribute that to? He said, I read your book. I did what was in it. He said, your life was amazing. You're doing all this stuff. You're multimillionaire. You're happy. You look 15 years younger than you are. I'm 75. And he says, you're amazing. And I said, I'm gonna, I want to live an amazing life like that. So I did everything in your book. I said, John, no one's done everything. In the book are 64 different principles. He said, Jack, I did everything. So that's a rare person. Most people read the book, say, wow, it's really cool. Great concepts, great stories, great humor. They put it on their shelf. I call them, they now have self-esteem. <laughs> they don't really have success. And so I said, I noticed the people that went through our coaching program, the people that took our live seminars, they were doing really well, doubling their income, doubling their time off, losing 50 pounds. You know, people that have never gotten pregnant were prying up principles and getting pregnant. I mean, amazing what we call miracles. So I said, how can we put a coaching program between the covers of a book so that people, if they did what was in the book, they would actually get the results that people that work with our live coaches and our live trainers do. And sure enough, we found 30 people after the manuscript was written. We had them go through the program. They no familiarity with me, no background in human development. And they all did what I've been talking about. They improved their health. They improved their relationships. They got out of crappy relationships. They started businesses. They were entrepreneurs that doubled their income. So I said, this works. So that's why we did it. Because I want everyone to have that, that capacity to uh, achieve their dreams. Hey guys, Dr. Richard here. For the past seven years, I've been privileged to bring you incredible guests who are changing the world and can help you become the best version of yourself. 
I'm really excited to share with you a new quiz that I created based on my clinical training that will curate for you a custom list of my top episodes and actionable strategies to help you wherever you are on your journey. All you need to do is go to drrichardschuster.com to take it, and it's 100% free. You'll be taking the next step on the journey to unlocking the power of you, and I can't wait to see where you'll go. That's fantastic. And as you're telling me this story, and I know that the book has been out for some time, we're in a very different world right now with what's going on in coronavirus. So talk to us about some of the things that you've seen that the most successful people are doing and how one might do things differently to still maintain success in in a world of uncertainty. Sure. Well, the first chapter of my book, it says, take 100% responsibility for your life and your results. And there's a formula in there that says E plus R equals outcome. What does that mean? There are events in your life, like the coronavirus, like getting fired, like getting married, like getting divorced, whatever it might be, there's an event that happens. You then have a response to that event. There's only three responses you have any control over, your thoughts, the images you hold in your head, and your behavior, what you say and do. And then you get an outcome. So two plus two equals four. So here we are, we're going along in life, we're doing two, the world's doing two, we're getting four, and we're happy. All of a sudden, the coronavirus comes along and says, you have to stay home, you can't go to work, you know, unless you're in an essential business and so forth. So now the world's doing one or zero, you can't just keep doing two and get four. So a lot of people are like, they're, they're, they're hemorrhaging money, they're hemorrhaging in terms of, you know, success that they had in the world. So you've got to do something different. And what I've seen people do is they change their thoughts. They say, okay, I don't care what's happening in the world. I'm going to be successful as opposed to, oh my God, we're going to lose our business. I mean, I have over a million dollars in deposits that people have for my trainings. If I had to pay all that back right now, you know, we don't have a million dollars in the bank. Nobody does. They're always spending the money that comes in, assuming the money is going to come in at the end when people you know, complete their payments and all that. So we've had to pivot and start doing online programs partially pushing live programs off in the future, but providing them with online experiences in addition to the live training they're eventually going to get to keep them enrolled so they don't say, give me my money back. Um, we've now, we're now starting for the first time. A lot, all of our online trainings up till now have been you know, pre-recorded. You, you go in and you get a, a code. You get to go through the modules and all that. But now we're starting to do on-live live trainings People are responding even better to that than our online pre-recorded courses. We've been talking about doing it for years, haven't done it. Now we're being forced to do it in a sense, and we're getting great, great response. We've, we've thought about having a membership fee for our graduates of our train, the trainer program. We have 3,500 people. So what could we give them additional benefits in terms of marketing and coaching skills, internet marketing skills, how to do podcasts, how to write a TED Talk, et cetera. So we're, we're de- developing that. That'll probably give us another anywhere from 300000 to a million dollars worth of income this year. So we're pivoting. But what if you're not in my kind of business? I'll give you an example. We have a friend who is a, um, runs a fitness uh, club. And all of a sudden, people can't come in because they can't you know, get close to each other. They're not allowed to congregate. So what does he do? A lot of people just shut their doors and hope it's over in a couple of months. What he did is he went into meditation said, okay, what can I do? And he got a creative idea, which was sanitize everything, call up all his clients because he knows their phone numbers from their, when they registered for the club and say, I know you still want to be in shape. You actually have more time. You don't have to drive over here. Most of you are not driving to work. You've got time. 
I will rent you my equipment. I'll bring it to your house. I'll set it up. I'll give you instructions if you want, or you can do it by Zoom call if you don't want to get you know too close. And he rented out all that equipment. In fact, so many people wanted that he bought new equipment, which he's renting out. And, and he's making more money than he made when he was actually having a live club. Hmm. So the point being, you have to pivot and say, okay, that R I was doing to the event before is not working. What thoughts do I need to think? What images do I need to hold? What new behaviors? You know, a lot of restaurants are literally shuttered right now. Nobody's going there and they're not doing anything. One of my friends up in Canada who has a gourmet restaurant where people would come out, you know, once every couple of weeks for a great meal. Within 14 hours of hearing there was going to be a lockdown, he ordered 1,000 takeout boxes online. He then called up all his clients and said, here's the deal. I'm going to have one meal a day. It's dinner. It's going to be a three-course meal. No, no, no choices. You either, you either want it or you don't. There's wine pairings if you want them. You can pick it up at 6, 6.30, 7, or 7.30. You come by. You call us. You say, I'm out by the curb. We'll bring it out to you. He was selling 40 meals a night when he was doing a regular restaurant. He's selling 60 meals a night now. He's making more money during the coronavirus pandemic than he was before. So again, it's a, are you willing to pivot and believe it's possible to do something new? Think a more positive thought and, and not. Those are great stories. And you know, a lot of people listening to this are probably thinking, you know, that, that makes sense, but I don't have a business and I do have a lot of bills to pay. I know this is something that you address specifically in your workbook, but let's talk about in this environment, how does one develop a positive money mindset? Well, basically, first of all, you can always make money. Let's say someone, I'll tell you another story. A friend of mine just told me yesterday that there's a woman, she lost her job. She didn't, she didn't, you know, she didn't have a business before. She just lost her job. And she realized all these companies have equipment and their people are not coming to work. So she called them up and she said, I would be willing to come in and sanitize all your equipment. I'll do all the doorknobs. I'll sanitize all the equipment, you know, the, the push button locks, the Xerox machine, the computer consoles, everything. So when people come back, there's no fear. And she got more clients than she, than she had time to do. And so like you can find ways to do something new. Another woman noticed that all of her friends were selling stuff on eBay as a way to raise money to pay their bills. And most people don't know how to ship things. They don't know how to where to get the bubble wrap and how to put them in the boxes. They don't want to go through all the trouble of that. So she called up all these people and said, basically, and then she put ads in the paper after she saw it work that, um, and online, that she will come over, pick up the thing you're selling on eBay. She'll, come, she'll package it. She'll ship it for you. You pay for the packaging and you pay the shipping, which you'd have to do anyway. And then you pay her a fee, a small fee. So, and especially with big items, like if you're selling an old record player or you're selling 20, you know, vinyl albums or something, uh, most people don't know how to do that or don't want to go to the problem of doing that. And so she's doing very, very well as well. So again, there are, there are needs. Ask yourself, what does everyone else need? People need people to pick up their groceries and deliver them to them. Uh, Uber and Lyft is doing very, very well with that. But here in, in Santa Barbara, where I live, some high school kids out of service said, we're out of school. We're only doing classes from nine until noon. Uh, we, most of us have cars. So they said, if you are a person in the community who can't get out, uh, we'll go pick up your groceries for you and deliver them. And they were doing it for free, just as a way to be of service. People were always tipping them really nicely. And then they said, wow, let's start this in other cities. Now they have it in Denver, in Phoenix, in um, Seattle, in 
Oregon. It's called Boomer. It's called Zoomers to Boomers. The Zoomers <laughs> helping the Boomers. And now they see that they could actually create this as a service, that they can make a business out of this when this is over. I love that story. And, and you mentioned that you know this is this is a sort of thing where you know we can find that thing asking what people are needing, but a lot of times people feel so uncomfortable asking other people for anything, even if they are of value right. to other people. So how do we ask? You know, how do we ask with confidence and not be awkward? I know you talk about this in your book, but take us through that. Right, right. Well, here's the deal. You know, everyone needs stuff and you can't get it if you don't ask. Even Gandhi said, if you want a GET, you have to ASK. And, uh, you know, he was asking the British to leave India, which eventually they did. It was a big ask. Uh, not a minor one, but I, I always teach that everyone should become what I call an asshole. You got to ask, <laughs> ask, 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 ask. Think about this: if I ask you for something and you say no, my life didn't get worse. Now I could ask you out for dinner and you say no. I didn't have anyone to eat dinner with before I asked you. I don't have anyone to eat dinner with after I asked you. I could ask you to invest in my company. You could say no. Life didn't get worse. I could apply to Harvard. I don't get in. I've spent my whole life not going to Harvard. I know how to handle that. In other words, people have this huge, huge, huge fear of hearing the word no. You have to understand that asking is a numbers game. We asked 144 publishers to publish Chicken Soup for the Soul before a publisher said yes. 144 rejections over 14 months. If I had stopped, Richard, after 100 rejections, we would not be talking right now. And so the reality is you have to be willing to ask and you're going to get no's. Expect no's. No's are part of the process. When I do my live seminars, I might have 300 to 500. I've had as many as 3,000 people for uh, two days in India, so all speaking Tamil through a translator from an Herbalife downline over there. But what I do, I get them all up and they have to think of three things they could ask for that if they got would help them achieve their major, what I call breakthrough goal, this goal that would be, take you to the next level. And so they go around milling. And what I tell them is you have to give the first nine people that ask you for something the answer no. The 10th person that asks you for something, you say yes. And so you keep track of the no's you give. So everyone's going around getting no, 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 no. And eventually I come up to you and I say, will you give me $10,000 so I can take a month off and write a book? And you say yes. I get all excited. And then I have to go and ask again. I get some more no's and I get a yes. So we do that. We let that go for about 15 minutes. At the end, I say, what did you all learn? I said, oh, it's a numbers game. If you ask enough people, someone has to say yes. And then I also learned it's not personal. The reason they said no is they weren't able to say yes. And a lot of people don't have the money. They don't have the time. They're not a candidate to help you. But somebody is. And I teach this formula called SW, 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 which says some will, some won't. So what? Someone's waiting. And I, I often tell people, think of the, the least attractive, most obnoxious person you know, and more than likely they're married. Somebody <laughs> said yes. Somebody <laughs> said yes. You know. And so the reality is there's a yes out there if you're willing to ask, 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 ask. Howard Schultz, who started Starbucks, asked 217 investors and banks if they would invest in Starbucks before he got a yes. 217 no's. If he'd stopped after 200, we'd all be drinking, you know, something else other than Starbucks. The guy's a billionaire now. So the reality is nobody gets to anywhere without a lot of no's. And once you understand that and you don't take it personally, then you have a shot at having success. <laughs> 